podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, soon to be 14, then 12. Yeah, I really do think Oklahoma and Texas are going to hang out for a while. Do I think they'll leave before 2025? I mean, if, if you let me put money on it, I would say yes. But I have no idea, no does, neither does anybody else. Well, nobody but the lawyers and probably Greg Sankey. Uh, I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today for our Monday episode. We've got the usual crew here. Thank goodness. Very excited about that. It feels like it's been forever since we talked. I know it was just last week, but here we... No, was it last week? No, it was mm-hmm. the week before that. Yeah? Sure. One of those weeks. Time is a flat circle. You know, all that fun stuff. I had a, We had a kid. I went to work for like three days. It's been real weird. Uh, joining me as they always do, those two voices you heard. You should know them well. This is your first time. Uh, Jamie Steyer Johnson, JSJ herself. Yes. Hello. Don't worry. Uh, everyone missed a real banger of an intro off the recording, but I'll start bringing them onto the recordings. That'll be my new purpose in life is to spice it up with a cold open. Yeah, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we see how that goes. Uh, that sounds like one of those things that I say we're going to do and then we do like two weeks and then hey, you never hear about it again. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Me making stupid jokes and hearing the sound of my own voice, that will never stop. That's why we love you, Jamie. Uh, and Andy Mitz. Yeah, it's great to be back. You know what? I uh, actually put this out on Friday out on, on Twitter. I'm surprised you didn't lead with it, Philip. but it is this weekend is two years since the Monday trio of us three got together for the first time on the podcast here. So I am excited about the fact that it, you know, we actually managed to realize that that was happening when it was happening. I can't believe it's been two years. Does it feel like it's been two years? Sometimes it feels like it's been longer and other times it feels like it was, you know, like a month ago. Time hasn't been real for like two and a half. So like I said, flat circle. No, because we started is it two years? The first episode that we were all on the podcast <laughs> did we start in together. 2020? 2020, yeah. The first episode oh was the first time I did any kind of podcasting thing after I got diagnosed with COVID. So, yeah. Yeah, lots of fun. 
I thought we started in 2019. No, because the first time I ever came on the show was when you were still hosting it solo, when everything shut down out of nowhere and you needed an episode. And so I came in to talk the Iowa State Baylor women's game. That had just the, the very first episode with Jamie had both Jamie and Levi Stevenson on the podcast. <coughs> and then the first episode we all did together. Why did I do that to myself? I, I don't know. <laughs> Levi hasn't been on for a while. Not on purpose. Uh, we'll fix that. <clears throat> we'll fix that. Um, there's a lot of people I'm going to try and get on the show here in the near future. Uh, we're going to have a lot of things I want to talk about. One of those I'm going to have... And I, I'm doing the thing I'm not supposed to do where I tease something that I want to do because then it won't happen, but I don't care. We're going to do it. We will have a a uh, protected rivalry roundtable episode where I'm going to bring a bunch of people in and we're going to finalize our list of like who that would be if we do a three plus six. Um, we're going to leave the show with that. And I know we talk about that on the show a lot, but if you're new here, um, I think it's a big story. We haven't had the opportunity since the news broke this past week that the NCAA has, has changed the requirements uh, that for which a conference can decide its conference championship game. Used to, the rule was, you had to have two different divisions to host a conference championship game in football. The only way you could get around that was with a waiver. Obviously, the uh, Big 12 has had that waiver ever since they reintroduced it just a few years ago. Uh, the American Athletic Conference, home of future Big 12 members Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF, has had a waiver since they dropped down to 11 teams in UConn left off to go back to the Big East and uh, their football's independent. I don't know. No one cares. It's UConn. Uh, it's gone. The rule is gone. There's no longer any sort of division requirement to host a championship game. Uh, we were already seeing that that was something. We knew that was something that was going to come down the line. It is official, and we're seeing the ripple effects of that. The Pac-12 announced that day that the Pac-12 championship game this upcoming season will pit the top two teams in the conference against each other. They're still going to keep the divisions for this season because the schedule is already set, but they will now spend the next year uh, deciding what, how to determine their schedule put together for 2023 and forward. We know that the ACC is talking about a three plus five model, in which you have three teams you play annually and then rotate through the other 10, five at a time. The SEC, when they get to 16 teams, we've heard about pods and what those four team groupings might look like. Um, there's a lot of talk that the Big Ten is probably going to do away with divisions at some point. This is where college football is going even, and shouts to Chris Vanini of The Athletic. He he talked to the commissioners and and at all the G5 per, um, conferences, and a lot of them are going to be doing the same thing. Now, there's a couple that are keeping divisions. It makes sense. And we'll kind of talk about that as we go through this, but the conversation needs to turn direct to the Big 12. The ACC is going to ditch divisions. The Pac-12 is ditching divisions. The SEC will ditch divisions once it gets to 16. There's rumors the Big 10 will. Everyone's going to probably have different models for what they do. Like we said, SEC sounds like they're going to do pods. Pods are, so, and I want to make sure we define these things well, because I think there's a lot of confusion. When we talk about things is what this looks like. A, a pod is four teams in a group that all play each other. Okay, so there's a difference between that and what the ACC is doing, which is what we've been pitching, which is basically protected rivals. Each school has three teams that they play annually. That doesn't mean that there's a group of four teams that all play each other. For instance, let's use the Big 12 as a model. West Virginia could play Iowa State, Cincinnati, and UCF. Iowa State could play West Virginia, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. It's not a grouping of teams. It is just you play three teams each year, and then you rotate through everybody else. Um, so now that everybody's kind of on, on par with that, I mean, from you guys' perspective— we don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. 
There's still a state of flux because we don't know when Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. We believe that BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are joining in 2023. It's feeling more and more like there will at least be one season of 14 teams, maybe maybe two. It may, maybe we may get two more seasons of it. I don't know. I think what's weird for the Big 12 is how do you handle the conference alignment while Oklahoma and Texas are still here, and do you change it after they leave? It's a big question, and without a commissioner right now, it's kind of left to, I don't want to say the uh, uh, clowns are running the circus or anything like that, but the athletic directors are all kind of having to figure things out on their own without any sort of leadership beyond them, and we're going to kind of talk about what we're hearing about them. But from you guys' perspective, I mean, realistically, what do you... What do you hope the Big 12 does? And, I mean, honestly, if <laughs> I love the teams in this conference, but it's not always the conference that makes the smartest decisions for itself. <laughs> How are we going to feel if the Big 12 comes out and goes, you know what, we're going to be the only power conference that sticks with divisions because, by golly, that's just the way we want to do things. I feel like the Big 12 has this weird identity crisis of, like, some some like change makers some decision makers want to act like they are on the forefront the cutting edge of all developments of all concepts of all ideas but at the same time the conference itself can be kind of regressive at times and so it would be bizarre to me to have this opportunity where things are changing so significantly for your conference anyway and so it would be easily the the best time where you're having to change things anyway so go all in and go to a divisionless conference go to you know having your your true championship game type deal um, and and just be able to manage all of those changes at once. Uh, but I would be completely unsurprised if they decided, yeah, we're going to be the only one with divisions, or they decided to just do something that's kind of weird and bizarre and on its face doesn't really make a lot of sense, and they'll sell it to us and say why none of us know what goes on behind closed doors, how they know what's best, uh, but I can see it just being a bizarre, bizarre decision, whatever that ends up being, which would, you know, I would lean towards probably it staying divisions or, you know, some other crazy invention beyond that. Yeah. I mean, for as inventive as um, the Big 12 coaches are on the field, the Big 12 administrations are exactly the polar opposite. And And what screams to me right now is that it seems like, the way that they are approaching this is that, hey, there's so much changing already. Let's try to hold on to as much as we can that we're used to, which is a bad idea. Like if you're going to have to change, like like Jamie said, you might as well do the entire thing now and go ahead and get it done and get yourself set up for what that long-term model is. What I'm afraid of is that they're going to go ahead and go divisions now because that's what Oklahoma and Texas probably want. And it's just easier to go ahead and do that while they're here. We're going to have to do something different anyway. I also imagine that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be put in the same division for the next two years, which is going to be kind of interesting. It also means that when they actually move to a different, you know, when they move over to the SEC, you have to redo everything again. But what I'm afraid of is that they're going to say, well, it was divisions then. We're going to do divisions after the fact as well because that's what we're used to. That's what we're comfortable with. That's what we just want to have going forward. I know that there's a lot of disagreement, kind of like you said, um, you know, 
everybody is trying to, you know, figure out who's going to be that main power player in the discussions now until they have a new commissioner. It's going to be interesting to kind of see who, who ends up leading the group. Um, so I'll be interested to kind of see how all of that shakes out. But the problem is that they don't have a clear direction. They don't have a clear vision. They don't have, you know, people that, that they are relying on at this point to be the ones to help push that decision forward, especially since the commissioner's leaving. So I'll be really interested to see what they end up doing. I, I will say, I was telling you guys this beforehand, and I said I would say it on the podcast, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. If they go to divisions after Oklahoma and Texas leave, that is a clear sign that the conference is not going to stick around. That is going to be a conference that's going to be dead because they are living in the past at that point, and they are going to have a lot of problems trying to react to what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain some of the things I've been hearing. <clears throat> from uh, there's some things that I know and some things that I have heard. That's what I'll say. Um, some things I know because I got them from the source and some things I know because I've heard them from people on other shows and some things that I have heard um, because I have been doing this long enough. I at least have some quote unquote sources, I guess somewhat don't, 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 don't think too highly of me. <clears throat> You're no me. No, I am not. I am no JSJ by any Definitely not. of the imagination. Uh, I can't just call up WNBA players and be like, "Can you come on the show?" And they're like, well, "I actually wanted to anyway." It's your birthday. Okay, you should do that. Um, before we deep dive, my big takeaway is this: if you thought that, and I think there was this little part of me that thought maybe, maybe that 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 childish part of me that still hopes to hope that the people will do what's best because it's the right thing. Um, but if you thought that Oklahoma and Texas were the only reason the Big 12 was a problem, is, was an issue, and that, that them leaving would, would cure things and everyone else would come together over around a campfire and sing songs and kumbaya and, and go together as one force. Um, no, no. There is a power vacuum and everyone, it feels like, is kind of trying to do what's best for themselves. And I think that occurs in all, most conferences. You're going to see teams who are going to, going to fight to do its best for themselves. And as an athletic director, that's your job is to focus on your school, not you know what what's best for you, not what's best for the whole. But you look at enough conferences who have strong leadership at the top that, you know what, we're going to do what's best for the conference, not just what's best for you, Kansas State, you, West Virginia, you, Texas Tech, you, Iowa State, you, incoming schools. We're going to do what's best for the conference. I really hope that strong leadership is brought in Till that happens, I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to, but we'll certainly see. So let's dive into what we, a combination of what we know and what we've heard. Well, real quick, Philip, kind, yeah. kind of what you were talking, I think the main difference between this conference and other conferences is that you now have a collection of schools that have vastly different objectives here, right? Like you have schools that aren't, I mean, like that's the one thing that people talk about when they talk about the Big 12 and, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Like the Pac-12, they're all, you know, very high academic standard, you know, West Coast schools that have a, a similar vision of how they want to project themselves. Same with the Big Ten. Same with the SEC. The problem Pac-12 is very much the, the West Coast part where they're all over there geographically. Right, right, right. But, but, like, but like the Big Ten has a clear identity of what they think a school that's in the Big Ten is like, and they have that common goal. The Big 12 is a whole bunch of – it's just a collection of a bunch of different schools that honestly didn't really have much, you know, very or very many options. And so they've come together, and they've, they've been able to put together a good sports conference. But the problem is – that if you look at the the goals of the school, the vision of the school, like the direction of each of those schools, they're not aligning in the same way that a lot of these other conferences are. Yes. No, I agree. 
I, I agree. Um, I still think there's enough schools who are the first are still focused on the first opportunity to bolt will the same things like we didn't talk about it. The university of Memphis announcing a, uh, 150 to $200 million investment into their football stadium that will be done in time for the what season folks, 2025. It's an interesting year to be ensuring yourself with a brand new football stadium in case there's a conference that you might want to entice into inviting you over to as well. Um, here's what we know and what we've heard in combination. There is a divide by the athletic directors at the meetings uh, earlier in May over going, sticking with divisions or doing away with them. And it's, pretty, it's a pretty fair divide between the current ADs. Um, Oklahoma and Texas want divisions. They want to be in separate divisions because they want to make sure that they don't eliminate each other from the conference championship game. They'd love, both love to be there against each other. But let's forget them for a second. And just focus on the guys who are sticking around, women who are sticking around. There's a pretty clear divide, I think, between those who want divisions and those who don't. And I think the no divisions is a little more, we think this is the best thing. And I think the division ones are less, divisions are important. And more, we need divisions to ensure that we get the things that we want because we believe that's the best way to do it. Not, we actually believe in divisions. Um, I believe many of the new incoming athletic directors pretty much going to go with the whole no division thing. That's that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Um, look, the only conferences of the Power Five, it sounds like the Big Ten is the only one who has not publicly said anything. Everyone else at this point we know is going to do away with divisions. Of the G5, as I mentioned that Chris Vanini article, which is great, the only two G5 conferences, because the Mountain West has already come out and said they're not going to do divisions. Divisions are gone. The American Conference literally is not going to do that. Uh, the Conference USA, once it's shifted into its new form, isn't going to have enough teams to have divisions. The Sun Belt and the MAC are going to stay in divisions, but that's because the MAC makes sense geographically. There's no reason for them to shift out of it. They're all It's designed to be that way because it's good geography for the teams. The Sun Belt, with its expansion, was designed for to have two divisions and make sure that they could have those regional rivalries. That makes sense. The Big 12 is not a conference that makes sense geographically to put everyone together. Okay, it, you're stretching from Provo, Utah to Orlando, Florida, up to Cincinnati in the north and on all the way down to Houston in the south. Okay, there's no geography that makes two divisions make sense because guess what? Someone's going to be unhappy, right? Someone's got to go out to prove Provo from the east, be it UCF every year or every other year or West Virginia. Okay, it's it's not there's no divisions that make sense. And for the Texas fans, because I've I've had some bring stuff up to me like, hey, folks, guess what? I don't see a world in which some sort of, I know the pod system, we're going to talk pods. Again, pods are a grouping of schools. Typically, it's four schools. They're all going to play at each other. Guess what? I don't care what model of pods you throw at me. There's no way in hell the four Texas schools are all going to get to just sit there and play each other while everybody else goes and does their <laughs> thing. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no There's way. too much recruiting in the state of Texas. People need to make sure that their teams are playing down there on a regular basis. So there's not going to be a pod system in which the four Texas schools get to just go off by themselves and do their own thing. I know you would say, well, that makes the most... What the Big 12 does is the big question. And I don't know. Could They could do pods and split things up. They could go with the pitch that we have, which is the, the three plus six. This is similar to the ACC, which is going to be doing it. There's just the three plus five, which makes sense because they have 14 teams that play eight conference games. The Big 12 is going to stick to nine conference games. That's what's been said. That's what's going to happen. I don't want to hear about it. Well, if they go to eight, stop. They're going to nine. They're sticking at nine. It makes sense. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they do something very different. Maybe it's just 
Okay, everybody pick a game or two you have to have on the schedule. Maybe it's not a three plus six, it's a two plus seven. Maybe it's a, you have one annual team you know you play every year. We're going to rotate through the other the other eight games or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think divisions is wrong. I know people who like, who are pro divisions, I get it. And most of the ones who have been pro divisions don't have a good explanation other than I don't want to have to play that team all the way over there all the time, which is what I hear from West Virginia fans. I get that. I understand that. You don't want to have to every other year go out to Provo, Utah. That's fine. But unless you're telling me you're going to Stillwater, Oklahoma every other year when you go there, like it's not whatever. We have planes now, folks. We can get places within a few hours. It's okay. Uh, we don't we don't travel by wagon and horseback. I don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. This all leads to, I really hope whoever comes in to run this conference as the new commissioner is a strong commissioner and is somebody who is actually empowered by these athletic directors to do what's best. <clears throat> Here's what I will say. We are a Big 12 podcast. I have to look at things from the perspective of what is the best thing for the conference. And the best thing for the conference isn't always the best thing for Kansas State, isn't always the best thing for UCF, isn't always the best thing for Iowa State, isn't always the best thing for Oklahoma State. Sometimes what's best for the conference and the group as a whole isn't the best thing for this individual team. Because the Kansas State fans who I've heard who are pro divisions are, have basically admitted they don't think their team could be one of the two best teams of the conference and they need a division so that every once in a while when they go 8-4 and four or 9-3, and three, they can get in the conference championship game. I say all of them. It's like two or three on Twitter who pointed that out to me. I just... I don't, I don't think that's the best thing for anybody. And look... The Big 12 isn't entirely regressive. They did come back with a conference championship game when everyone said it was a stupid idea. And it's worked out pretty well for the Big 12 having this new conference championship game. I think it's been a, it's been a very good thing for the conference. So just hope for strong leadership. That's, that's the big takeaway from everything right now is we need strong leadership who can get things done. We're sure we'll find out who that is this summer. I would assume before Big 12 Media Days. I certainly hope so. Would love to be able to be there and, and, and meet this individual. Um, it's been very quiet on that front. <clears throat> we'll just have to see. All right, so that's that's the latest with all of that. Um, Andy, do you have any thoughts? Andy, Kansas is the school that's been brought up a lot, a lot on social media in relation to the NCAA basically saying there's a, there's a no signee limit for the next two years and two, next two recruiting classes as long as you meet. You don't exceed the 85 scholarship limit on your team. Basically, you can sign as many players as you want for the next two years to fill out your roster. Um, that is something that's been was pitched by Kansas for a while. Um, it's been a few years since that was kind of a push by Les Miles. Um, Kansas is a school that has been brought up a lot. We said this. I said the same thing of teams that are going to benefit from this the most just because of Kansas's roster issues that we have talked about. Where do you kind of stand on, is this as big a deal for Kansas as it once was? Um, and we ought to, we can go down the rabbit hole of like, it's actually going to be uh, terrible for students and great for teams that have a ton of money to have signed 40 kids and be like, hey, uh, we can't actually take 20 of you, but thanks for thanks for trying. It's actually kind of funny because, um, yeah, this would have been great for Kansas like three years ago. Right now, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference for KU unless you're worried about like a ton of people leaving. Um, it, it does help because Kansas did have quite a few players that left in the transfer portal. And I think what's the most helpful for them now isn't even necessarily like roster numbers. Um, it's more about, hey, now they don't have to worry about those counters. They don't have to go through all of the 
you know, the, the shenanigans to borrow scholarships from next year or, or counters from next year to be able to bring in transfers. But that's what Kansas is doing a lot now is hitting the transfer portal to bring in guys. They've already brought in like six different players from Big Ten schools, um, like <laughs> which is kind of crazy, like how many they're getting from that area. And I talked about this over on the Rock Talk podcast. It's huge for them to be able to get guys that have played in a Power 5 conference that bring some of that experience so that they can be able to get that and kind of try to accelerate the rebuild. Um, but, like, just in terms of roster numbers, it's not really a big deal for Kansas right now because, you know, they were within striking distance of getting back to a full 85 coming into this recruiting class. Um, they've had some some difficulty kind of filling it out because they were saving some of those counters to be able to use in the transfer portal. Now they don't necessarily have to do that. Like they can just continue to get all the way back to 85. So they are, they are at a good point there, but there are a lot of schools that are going to benefit from this. I have a hard time imagining that this is going to be a two year experiment that then goes back to the old way. Um, But I I definitely think like it's a, it's a possibility that if a school like Alabama or Georgia, like abuses this to the fact where they bring in a whole bunch of people, right. They like push a whole bunch of guys out on transfer, because they want to bring in all of these really, really great players from all these other places that, that are transferring as well. That's probably the only way that I can see that we that we don't keep this past the, the two-year period that is currently in. Yeah, Kansas has done a deal. For as much as Kansas has lost to the portal, I mean, I feel like at some point we will do a, a transfer portal winners and losers in the Big 12 from a football standpoint. <clears throat> uh, Christine Butterfield actually did a, a transfer portal uh, episode for the Midwest Madness that just came out, so make sure you go check out Midwest Madness podcast, uh, our Big 12 basketball, men's and women's hoops podcast. Christine just did a great job talking about the transfer portal uh, for hoops. We will do a winners and losers of the transfer portal. I was, I was kind of waiting until it really felt like things settled down and a lot more players committed and found their new homes and that can that can take all the way into june um so we'll, we'll, we'll give that a few more weeks uh but purdue it, sorry purdue uh <laughs> looking at, at kansas and what they brought in former four-star safety marvin grand from purdue coming into kansas you mentioned all the players from the big 10 which i feel like kansas i know we don't like to talk about kansas and missouri in the same sentence but Missouri almost recruits a lot of, of players that you would view as Big Ten people just because of location. It feels like Kansas might be kind of – plus you look at um, Leipold's background you know, from, from the area he's familiar with. It makes a lot of sense that they're getting a lot of players from from that particular part of the country. But it does feel like Kansas, if we if we were to do this right now, is one of the winners from the transfer portal so far. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels that way. And, and like you said, they are probably in a unique position in in the conference for the most part. Um, I think that Iowa State can definitely pull from that same general area as well. But the way that Kansas wants to play, the background of Leipold and the way his systems have been successful, you know, th- those are the kind of players that are going to build that baseline of what he wants. And then from there, he can kind of branch out. You definitely don't want to, like, completely ignore Texas or anything like that. But I feel like Kansas is probably going to be recruiting a lot more up in that area anyway. So taking big 10 transfers is a good way to kind of reshape the roster so that those guys will fit in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I know we're a big 12 show, obviously, but folks, the Arkansas release for (laughs) week one of big new Saturday season four. Uh, Let me just remind you, uh, I live in the state of Arkansas my wife and in-laws are Arkansas fans. Um, so to see how good this collection is, knowing that I'm going to have to purchase quite a few items from it, 
Uh, it was very, very good uh, for my heart. Uh, not for my wallet, but for knowing that I'm at least going to have a new Razorback shirt to wear in support of my my family's team. Uh, that's going to look really freaking awesome and be super comfortable. For what are you turn. What are you raising your kids as? Uh, both of my girls already know how to say O S U Go Pokes. Um, they don't do. But so you're just waiting for Homefield to put out those kid sizes. Oh man! If Homefield put out a onesie, like we we'd already had quite a few of them. I'm running out of time now, but uh, if they want to, if you would, Homefield, in case you're listening, uh, Whitney, um, if you guys want to put out one of those pistol patties on a onesie, or if I could just like special order one, I'll ship you the onesie if you want to just print that on there for me, um, because I would I would love that. that and if would you can make a four T, so cute. I need a four T, a two T, and a and a newborn with pistol patty on it. That would be great. I would appreciate that. Um, no, the Arkansas line is fantastic. Obviously, the pistol patty shirt that they put out in the Oklahoma State refresh is also sitting in my cart to be purchased with these. Uh, Razorback items are really stinking good. Uh, and this is just week one. We got a ton of big new Saturday season four coming down the line. If you are a power five school who is not currently on home field apparel, there's a pretty good chance that by the end of this thing, which runs all the way to August 20th, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be by the end of it. So what you need to remember is the promo code network 12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 gets you 15% off your first order. That is our promo code. Every show in the 1012 network has their own promo code. Andy, what is Rock Chalk Talk or Rock Chalk Pods? Rock Chalk Pods is Chalk 12. That's if you don't know how to spell that and you're a yeah. Kansas fan, then you've got problems. Uh, they're probably a Missouri fan. Jamie, uh, what is your promo code? Cyclone 12. Cyclone, not plural. One single cyclone. <laughs> uh Pick the show you love the most from the network. Use the promo code. I am fine with that. I want everyone to do well. I just want you to save money on home field because who doesn't want to save money on the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is possible. So if your school's not on there and you're just waiting patiently to remember our promo code, you're going to want to use it when your time has come. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. Okay. We're going to wrap up on this. The the other big piece of news. Look, I am and my old my old friends over at Cowboys Ride for Free, the OSU SB Nation site that I, I used to write for and sometimes still help with. Um, I am a scheduled junkie. Basketball schedule, especially because football schedule has always come out way too stinking early. We find out about matchups years in advance, which is disappointing. But basketball, when non-conference schedules would just start leaking out here and there, I'm just, I just, I eat that stuff up. I don't know why. I just love it. I get so excited and I want to look at the teams. I want to see what it's going to be. I am a, I'm a college basketball fan is at my, like my soul. 
that is the sport I love the most. It's the thing that I fell in love with. It's why I love Oklahoma State the most. Um, but I was very excited because the Big 12 Big East battle schedule for 2022 came out this past week. We know all the matchups. So I have my two basketball-loving fans here. I want to go over them. These are on the men's side, not the women's side. Um, I'm going to run through this list uh, in chronological order of when these games will be played, and we can talk about what you guys like or is excited about the most. Uh, we start with Baylor at Marquette, Providence at TCU, Georgetown at Texas Tech, Kansas State at Butler, Creighton at Texas, Oklahoma State at UConn, Seton Hall at Kansas, Oklahoma at Villanova, St. John's at Iowa State, and West Virginia at Xavier. And Jamie, which one of these stick out to you the most? I mean, I always am intrigued to see where like Peyton gets put just because, I mean, obviously I know Coach Beck. He was at Iowa State when I was growing up. Um, and so it's always fun to watch them, but they just can, I don't know how they still like at least catch me by surprise sometimes but they always tend to be uh, a competitor. And so especially with Texas uh, tending to do Texas things, it's uh, it's an interesting matchup to me. I'll be very intrigued to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I always look to see where, you know, or who, who Kansas is playing. And I think the Seton Hall one is an intriguing one. But, but honestly, I think the one I'm the most intrigued by is Oklahoma at Villanova. Um, to kind of mm-hmm. see what Villanova is going to be, come you know this this year um, after Jay Wright moved on, uh, to kind of see what's going on with Oklahoma, you know year two of Porter Mosier, I am really curious to see how that one is going to shake out. Um, like I, I think most of these games are going to be great games. Like I, I'm having a hard time finding one that I just look at that and I'm like, no, this is going to suck. Like I really don't want to watch this one. Uh, but that's one that I think a lot of people probably aren't going to have circled but I think is going to be a really interesting one. The difference between this and the Big 12 SEC challenge we get every year is it does feel like they try and match, create more competitive matchups on the Big 12 SEC one. Now, they're all played on the same day, but it does feel like the top schools from the SEC from the year prior are going to play some of the Big 12 schools at the top and some of the lower-rated ones. Whereas here, you know, we get Baylor at Marquette. Baylor, um, phenomenal season. Marquette finished 19-13 and 13 overall. And obviously next year is going to be very different. Uh, it's not the same season. I get all of those things. But it's interesting because it's not like you're sitting here projecting, well, you know, Baylor's going to be uh, preseason probably number one or number two. Are we thinking Marquette's going to be that for the Big East? I have, I have no idea. Uh, Providence won the Big East last year. I, I, from what I have read, they are expected to be good again this year. And they're going to TCU, who is... I've seen a lot of people put in the preseason top 25, obviously made the tournament, uh, is expected to do so again. They're, they're doing very well um, recruiting and with the portal, but it's not a, a, what you would think you would get. You would think of more of a Providence in a Kansas or a Providence or Baylor. So it's, it's interesting in this one and why I think the Big 12 has almost struggled in this battle with the Big East more often is there's not as many like we're going to try and make competitive matchups and it's let's just let's just match up some teams and see what happens. Um, you mentioned Creighton and Texas. That could be a really interesting one. Obviously, Texas being Texas, um, Creighton is very up and down. Uh, and we get Kansas State at Butler. Butler finishing towards the bottom. You get Georgetown at Texas Tech. Like Texas Tech's been really good. Georgetown finished last place. They were six and twenty-five. Like that. That feels like a like okay. It's a bit of a miss. I would I would think Texas Tech would get a a better opponent. All that said, I don't care what the records were. West Virginia Xavier feels like a 
two teams that from a proximity standpoint should be interesting. Like I, I'm kind of intrigued by the West Virginia Xavier matchup. Um, I love this series. It just doesn't, and it's not a shot at the big East at all. The big East is really good. It just doesn't ever give me the matchups that I get as excited about as I do for the big 12 sec challenge every year. Yeah. I think the big problem is like you said, it doesn't feel like there's a coherent, like strategy for how to put the things together. Like they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll get a few that are big names. They'll get a few that are kind of like, Oh, well these, these, this is going to be a competitive game. Like, and then you just have some that just randomly get thrown in there. The one thing <laughs> I am kind of disappointed that Providence at TCU, like that's going to be a fantastic game, but we just had that game two years ago, Providence at TCU. Um, and so like, I would love to see some differences in some of the matchups. It's not like with the big 12 SEC where, you know, you have Kansas and Kentucky playing as often as possible because those are two huge story programs. Like the rest of those matchups, you typically try to see new teams or like have a really good reason. I don't, like, I don't see a compelling reason to put Providence at TCU. I would have thought that maybe you would have, like, again, I think the game is going to be great. But it just, like you said, doesn't feel like there's a really good strategy that they have here to create a bunch of games that everybody wants to watch unless you're a college basketball junkie like I am. This will be the fourth year of this event, the Big East, one year, one eight two. 2 2020, it was tied 3-3 because obviously games got canceled due to the pandemic. 2021, tied 5-5. I think the other big problem with this, and, and I love that the Big 12 does this. I think it's great for RPI uh, and net rankings. The other problem with this is, you know, the Big 12 SEC Challenge is one day. It's like all ESPN plays on all their channels all day long. It's a big deal. It's made a big deal out of. And these are spread out from November 29th through December uh, 4th, which is still at least, I think, the closest in proximity we've gotten. Uh, last year was... December 1st through December 18th. Before that, it was November 29th through December 11th. The first year, it was December 4th through December 22nd. Like, I think part of the problem is, like, they're having to kind of fill, figure out some of these matchups around other non-conference games as opposed to, all right, everyone, we're doing this one Saturday so we can pick the matchups more like we would like them as opposed to, okay, we kind of have to just make these fit everyone's non-conference schedules. Yeah, that, that really is the issue. Um you know, and, and, and it goes back to exactly what I said. Like, this isn't a coherent event. It is literally just, hey, we want these two conferences to play. Agreed. I think the other issue of this, and I'll be interested to see, this this was a four-year agreement. This will be the last year of the, of the current contract for this series. Does it continue afterwards? Um, that is something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think the other issue is, obviously, SEC and Big 12, all ESPN. Uh, Fox owns the right to the Big East. ESPN owns the right to the Big 12. So, the home team, it's... I think this is a great thing because the Big East is a good basketball conference. I like these matchups. I like these games. And it's not just because the Big 12 hasn't won it yet. Like, I don't I don't care about that. I care about the fact that it just doesn't have the oomph. And, and I kind of want something that you get a little bit more excited about. You know? Like, it's a good... Ex- it, you can get as excited as a fan of your team who has a team from the Big East that you are playing. But it doesn't feel the same from the, like conference versus conference as the big 12 sec i again it's not because i think the sec is like demonstrably better at basketball i think the big east is fantastic it's a reason it's called the power six in, in men's hoops um i just i want this to almost be either structured better or figured out in a way there it just feels like a bigger deal i think that's that's what i want i want this to be a bigger deal i, I like 
the idea of it all being on one day. We watch all these Big 12 Big East. You get excited, okay, with it, which conference is going to pull it off? Because this one, it's like, oh, okay. Like, no one talks about it like it that. It just feels really inconsequential. Like, it, it literally just feels like another game, like another you know, non-conference game and like, Oh, we all play a team from this conference over the course of like a week or so. Okay. You don't feel like you're coming away with bragging rights. Yeah. Like it's not even like the big 10 ACC challenge, right. Where they have Mm -hmm. like, I mean, that takes over an entire week, but it's a big deal because they schedule that out. You know, it's like a Monday through Thursday type of thing where it is that slot on everybody's schedule. And so it's definitely one of those things where, like, if they did something like that, where there was a specific week that it was, and everybody played a game, or everybody that was involved played a game, this would feel like a coherent event. It would feel like something. You're right that, like, I don't care, honestly, about who wins this one, other than for, the you know, the little bit of bragging rights when it actually happens. Like, I think about this for probably about 12 hours after the, the, the series has been decided. It's like, hey, great, we won, or crap, we lost. The Big 12 SEC one is something that gets talked about through Selection Sunday. Like, that is something that people point to about which of those conferences won that challenge because it is an, a huge event. It is something, and it's it's something that the winning conference can use as kind of a little feather in their cap to say, hey, all of our teams should benefit from the fact that our conference showed out in this challenge and actually won something. You don't have that for this one. And and again, I, I don't think it's primarily or I don't think it's entirely because of status of conferences. I just think that the event doesn't isn't set up in such a way that it's memorable to a lot of people once we get to the end of the season. I mean, I think the SEC one is just like so good and so fun and so hyped up that it's just like, how do you it, it, like, do you really have capacity to hype up a bunch of different series like conference series in one season it I I mean you could certainly try you could certainly do a better job of it but I just feel like the big 12 SEC challenge is so fun that it's just kind of a letdown part of I think what makes the big 12 SEC one interesting is it's right in the middle of conference play everybody stops conference play for a Saturday to play this game it's such a change of pace ESPN blows it up if the big 12 continues this or starts a challenge with a different conference or if they're going to continue to do something like this my pitch would be do it right at this the last game of non-conference before conference play starts for every for both conferences is this is how we end non-con we're going to start conference play the following week let's go out with non-conference with the bang like again even if you want to do it over the duration of a week make it like this is this is how we end non-conference in the Big 12 is this week it is this challenge that we do to compete before conference play starts is as opposed to just again at least this 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 year is the most compact from a calendar standpoint. It is within the duration of one week, it's a Tuesday through a Monday. Most of the other ones have gone over a week. It, it is the closest thing to that. But give us, make it so it does feel more impactful. I think that's my big thing is I like this. I loved when they announced it. I pay attention to it, but I know no one really pays attention from the conference standpoint. Find a way to make it more feel more impactful because these are two teams with conferences with teams who have won national championships in the last 10 years. Like it should be a bigger deal. This is two power conference men's basketball conference. Like it should feel bigger than it is. And it doesn't, you know what? Here's, here's my pitch. Okay. Why don't we do it? Or if, 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 if I could do this, okay. I would say 
We're going to go ahead and interrupt conference play again. Conference play keeps creeping into December every single year. Like it's getting earlier and earlier. So I don't mind doing this. You know, when does everybody start paying attention to basketball? Immediately after the national championship game for football. So Saturday after the national championship game, you have the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Everybody plays on that Saturday, kind of like we do with the SEC one as well. So that's like the first big event after the national championship in football. I think it would be an event then. People would be paying attention. It'd be the biggest thing on the schedule when everybody is getting ready to turn to basketball. And then you follow that up with another one, the Big 12 SEC Challenge later. That's another way to solidify the Big 12 as the premier basketball conference because they have these two challenges against two really big conferences that are at really critical times in the schedule. I'll be interested to see how it goes this year. I think we've got some interesting matchups. Um, I just think they, I think it can be better. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's something that should continue. I just think it needs to be improved upon to increase the quality or at least the attention that it should be bringing the Big 12 and playing these games as a conference every year. All right, we're going to wrap here. This feels like a good spot. Um, we do need to mention, of course, congratulations to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and UCF. They have advanced to Super Regionals at the NCAA Softball Championship, and uh OU will be hosting UCF, so we know one of those teams will be eliminated this coming weekend. Oklahoma State will be playing host to Clemson. And uh, at this moment, we are still awaiting the end of Game 7 in Seattle between Texas and Washington. It is a winner-take-all to advance to Super Regionals and travel to Fayetteville to face Arkansas. It is currently the top of the fourth inning, two outs, two on for Texas. So uh, by the time this comes out, you will know what happened there. Uh, One other thing. Women's tennis, national championship game, Red River, Oklahoma, and Texas, a Big 12 team will win the NCAA Women's Tennis Champion Tournament Championship, which is insane, and it's Red River. So it's not just like two, like I like Iowa State, I don't know, Baylor, like it's Red River. Just can just build that right into it, which is insane and incredible. Uh, who who uh, knew the Big 12 was a tennis conference? I don't and a softball conference, and yada, 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 yada. Uh, let's see, what else? we got? Oh, Big 12 Baseball Tournament gets underway this week. Something to definitely keep your eye on. Congrats to TCU on winning a second straight title in their first season with Coach Sarloose. That is nuts. It's been a weird, weird year for the Big 12. It's incredible. Kansas' head coach retired. He announced his retirement, so Kansas is searching for a new uh, ba- baseball head coach. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I, it caught me a little bit off guard, although I guess I shouldn't have been necessarily too surprised. There were some questions uh, with the way that the program had been kind of trending the last few years. Um, it definitely makes a lot more sense to let him retire than to try to move on from him. Um, but it was kind of one of those things. It feels like it's the right time for everybody involved, for you know, Coach Coach Price to go ahead and retire, for Kansas to kind of lean off into a new direction. He did a lot of great things for Kansas while he was there. Um, but you know, I think it was just about time for the, for the program to start looking in another direction. And this is the kind of thing you typically have when a new athletic director, you know, comes in, they start to turn over some of the coaches to get some of the guys that they bring in. So I wouldn't be surprised to see other coaches, you know, at Kansas or other coaches where we have new athletic directors across the conference to start churning some of those, you know, positions with their coaches when it makes sense to do it. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, obviously, Andy will talk more about that on the Rock Chalk podcast. Go check that out. Give that a follow. That is one of the 10 shows in the 1012 Network podcast network that loves and covers the Big 12 Conference. So is Jamie's show, Cyclone Fam Pod. 
Cyclone Family Podcast, Cyclone Fan Pod on Twitter. We are, oh, brain fart. Uh, we are 1012 Network on Twitter, T E in the number 12, the word network. 1012 Pod on Instagram, T E in the number 12, P O D. Yes, we post exclusive content. Go in there and tell me why uh, we are idiots on Instagram or Twitter. That's fine. I'm happy to hear why you don't like my opinions. It's opinions. It's everyone's got one. They all smell. Uh, we will be back at some point this week. Next week, I make no promises uh, because, you know, new newborn. Uh, so I, I am at the whim of a small child who is incapable of lifting their own head. And, of course, my wife, bless her. Uh, happy birthday to her. Um, so, yeah, it's her birthday. Sunday, not Monday. What we're recording this. All right, I'm rambling. We're done. Talk to you later, folks. Podcast Network.